Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I believe that today, today is your day. Maybe you've been feeling like, man, I've gone through this shift series and I haven't felt a shift. I haven't seen a tangible shift in my life, but I'm excited to get into the word today because I believe God is going to do it today. He's going to do it this week. He's going to do it in your future. Are you ready for the word today? If you're ready for the word, say, oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's go to John 5. The gospel according to John chapter number 5. I'm going to be reading in your hearing verses 2 through 9. When you have it, you can stand. If you don't got it, just stand because it's on the screen. (laughs) And I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. John writes this way, starting in verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Verse eight, Jesus says unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately somebody say immediately. Immediately. The man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day, that day, that day was the Sabbath. Remain standing. I'm going to pray. But today's subject is a new normal. A new normal. Father, we thank you today because we get to feed and feast on your word. God, we have come today because we need your word. There is somebody today that is hanging on to every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And I pray, God, that you would give us exactly what we need. I come against every plan and tactic of the devil today. I pray, God, that you will rule and reign in this place. Pulverize the devil and cause him to be a liar in our midst. We thank you for the victory. We thank you for the shift. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A new normal. This is a great scripture, a great story in the Gospel of John. I love John's gospel because the writer John 
is different. He is a different penman than the other writers. He, he writes with a different intent. He chronicles Jesus's life differently. And John's intention as a gospel writer is to let the reader know that Jesus is, in fact, God. That's why you get unique stories in the Gospel of John that you won't get in any other gospel. And this story is a special story because I believe it will it'll give us life. It will give us life light today if we look at it from the standpoint that Jesus wants to show himself to us as God. So John, when he begins his gospel, he begins by saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then he goes down into verse 14 and he says, and the word became flesh, that God became flesh and, 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 the, and he dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This was the manifestation. Jesus was the manifestation of God. And John continues to write in his gospel. And if you flip over to chapter 2, you'll notice that John writes about a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And Jesus shows his supernatural divine ability to work miracles even when it's not on schedule, even when it's not his time. Jesus continues in, in chapter 3, another unique scripture, where Jesus meets a man named Nicodemus, and he says to him, you must be born again. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you got to be born of the water, born of the spirit. And Jesus goes on, the John rather, goes on to record and say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see how John is writing? John continues to flow into chapter 4. And John talks about Jesus coming to this woman at, at, of Samaria at the well. And he talks about how this woman had an issue with men and had, she had promiscuity issues. And Jesus expounded unto her that if she would drink of this water that he had, then she would never thirst again. The text continues and crescendos into chapter 5 where we find our scripture today. And the question is, what is Jesus doing here? The Bible says that there is a feast in Jerusalem. Jesus being a Jew, he is coming to Jerusalem because it's time for them to take part in this ritual and this feast. But on his way, he, passed, he passes by a pool. A pool in the Hebrew, this pool is named Bethesda. This was a special place. This was a special pool. This was a place where at certain times the angel would come down and would stir this pool up. And whoever stepped into the pool first would be healed. Now, this is a perplexing scripture. Because that sounds a little bit weird and mysterious. There's not much background to this. 
we are not able to understand exactly why and, and how often this angel would come down. We're not exactly sure, was God in this healing or was this some other power, some other being? But we know it had to be from God because the Bible says it was an angel that stirred up the water. This is a unique scripture that I'm not qualified to unpack at this point in the scripture because it doesn't give us enough to understand why the angel would stir the water and why they would get healed. And sometimes, if the Bible doesn't tell you why, then you just have to accept it. You know, we often get too high-minded as humans, and we try to interject and to insert our own opinions into the text. But the Bible says what it says. And so there was a man that was sitting, laying by this pool for 38 years. That's a long time. Somebody say, that's a long time. 38 years to be stuck in the same place. He is lame. He is paralyzed. He cannot move. He is slaying down beside the place of healing. But yet he is so close and yet he is so far. Have you ever been so close to something that you believe will change your life? But it's like you're so close, but yet so far. It's like your your marriage is so close. To being right, but yet it's so far. That your job is so close to being right, but when you go to work, you realize yet it's so far. Have you ever been caught in the juxtaposition between something that is your destiny, but yet you are crippled by your present? I want to talk to people today in this auditorium. You've been feeling stuck. Hallelujah. You've been feeling stuck. And you've been wondering why you're right there so close. You can taste it. You can feel it. You can touch it. But yet it's like nothing is happening. It's like you have lost all of the life in your life. You've lost all the vibrancy, all the vigor, and it's right there, but you just can't seem to get the relationship together. Why is it that, that, that you got the right person that you're married to? You got the right kids. You got the right job, the right career. But it's like it's still broken. I mean, I mean, I just want to be transparent today. How do you live life when it's so right, but yet it's so wrong? That, that it's not that you want to trade in your spouse. It's not like you want to exchange them. But it's just not perfect. And what happens is, is this man is laying down next to this pool. And he is laying down 
so close to his deliverance. I mean, he is on the edge of his deliverance. But the, the, the text tells us that Jesus comes by and he sees this man so close to his deliverance. And he says to this man, do you want to be made whole? And the man says, every time I try to touch the water, somebody gets into the water first. For 38 years, Shama, this man has watched people come to this pool and leave before him. For 38 years, he reaches out to touch when the water is stirred, but yet he loses to somebody else. Have you ever felt in your life like, God, why am I always watching other people get ahead and I'm still here? God, how, how come, how come? I get to sit back and watch them be great on social media. Watch them buy a new house on social media. Watch them get a promotion on social media. And I'm still here stuck. Stuck in a dead-end job. Stuck in a dead-end career. And why is it, God, that I have to be the one that watches others get blessed? This man sees Jesus walking by. And I want to show you in the text that this man doesn't recognize who Jesus is. He doesn't realize that Jesus has the power to change his situation. You see, I want to show you that faith is not present in this text. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not in the text. We are accustomed to seeing miracles of Jesus performed when faith is in the room or faith is nearby. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She sees Jesus passing by. She recognizes that Jesus is the one that has the power to heal her. So she has faith enough to crawl her way to Jesus. Or what about Jairus? Jairus has faith enough to drag Jesus through the crowd to his house because his daughter is dead. And he has faith enough to say, Jesus, you can resurrect my daughter. What about the centurion that has faith enough to meet Jesus along the road and say, Jesus, my servant is sick. And guess what, Jesus? You don't even have to come to my house where he is. You can just speak the word. I've got faith to believe. If you speak the word, my servant will be healed. Yeah. There's even a Canaanite woman that comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And Jesus says, I know you got faith, but I'm not called to you. I'm not called but to the lost sheep of Israel. Her faith is so strong that she bypasses Jesus's rejection. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So if you have a crumb of healing, it's enough for me. 
And Jesus says, I have not seen so great faith. No, not in all of Israel. But this text is different, y'all. Because when Jesus asks him if he wants to be made well, he does not say yes. He does not say, God, Jesus, I've been waiting for you to come. I heard about what you did at the wedding in Cana. I, 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 heard, I heard about the woman of Samaria. And I've been waiting for you. No, he doesn't say that. What he says is that I can't because of my circumstances. And there is somebody in here today. That your issue is not necessarily, will God do it? Your issue is, your response is an indication of your environment. Your response is an indication of how crippled you are mentally. Hmm. Could it be that Jesus has been asking you for a while, do you want to be made well? Could it be that Jesus has been waiting for you? But because you are so infirmed mentally, because this man is not just infirmed physically, but he's infirmed mentally. And you can hear it by his response. And Jesus knows your condition based on your response. I got news for somebody in here today. Jesus knows if you're ready to experience the shift that he has for you based on your response to him. You see, the person that comes into church that cannot lift their hands, the person that comes into church that cannot give the correct response is the person that is so crippled and paralyzed by what they are going through that Jesus looks at you and says, you know what? You are not ready. And this man has been there for 38 years, and I believe he is disappointed. He, it's, it's in his voice. It's in his words. When you have been stuck for so long, disappointment settles in. And perhaps this man had faith at one time. But what disappointment does is that disappointment erodes faith. Oh, oh, disappointment erodes faith. Because when we are disappointed, it causes us to wonder whether or not things can really happen. And so this text is not about faith. So the question is, why does Jesus heal somebody that doesn't have faith? Oh, this will blow up your theology. Yeah, yeah, this will blow up your theology because we are taught that if we have faith, Jesus will do it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We, we, we are taught, and rightfully so, it's not wrong, but we are taught that if we believe God, that's when the shift happens. But there is somebody in here today that, 
that I want to tell you, your faith can't get this for you. (laughs) Your faith can't get this for you. I'm not telling you not to believe God. I'm not telling you not to trust God. But I'm getting in a little trouble here. And I don't mind getting into trouble because Jesus will get me out. I'm getting into trouble here because your faith won't do this one. So the question is, what will do it? Why is Jesus performing this miracle then? Because Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission. And there's something that trumps your faith. And that's the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. The will of God trumps your agenda. (laughs) I want to tell you that the will of God trumps your ideology. The will of God trumps your strategy and your plans. You've got a plan for when you're going to go to college. You got a plan for when you're going to get married. You got a plan for how many kids you're going to have. You got a plan for what kind of house you're going to live in. And there's something that trumps your faith. There's something that trumps your agenda. And that is the will of God. And you've got to know that a key attribute of God is his sovereignty. And God will do what he wants with who he wants at any time, at any place, because it's his agenda and not yours. And so Jesus walks up to this man and Jesus has a mission in mind. It's not about this man's faith, but it's about what Jesus wants to do. He, he, he wants to do something. He wants to do something. He wants to shake something. He wants to turn something upside down. And, and Jesus wants to get after and to get at these Pharisees. I, I don't know if you could put the scripture up. I, I want to, them to see. I believe it's verse 16. Yeah, verse 16. It's on the screen. Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath day. And John has a unique perspective. And he says, because Jesus did this on the Sabbath day, the Jews persecuted Jesus. And sought to kill him. Because Jesus wasn't necessarily here for the man. He was here for the Pharisees. Oh, you got to see it. Jesus does three things to make the Pharisees upset. I want to show you real quick and we'll get out of there. Jesus breaks Three rules. The first rule is that Jesus breaks the rule of being in a condition for a long time. So if you go to point one, it says that this man has been there for 38 years and it's been a long time. So Jesus shows up to show and to say that 
It doesn't matter how long you've been here. It doesn't matter how long you've suffered. It doesn't matter how long you've been in trouble. It doesn't matter how long you've been depressed. It doesn't matter how long you've been in poverty. It doesn't matter how long you've been scared and nervous. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the red and been in poverty. It doesn't matter how long and you think that God's power is limited because you've been there so long. Jesus is breaking the system of time. He is showing that even an extended period of time, an extended period of sickness is no match for his power. Number two, number two, I'm pushing here. Jesus is performing this miracle at the wrong time. Because nobody else, from what we know, got healed except for the time when the angel stirred the water. So, so, so they're expecting healing to come at this time. But Jesus is disrupting the system because what happens is, is that we, we build systems around our dysfunction. Oh, we build systems around our dysfunction. In order to function in our dysfunction, we build systems. So instead of fixing the marriage, we build dysfunction. We build, we build a system around the marriage in order to get by. So instead of fixing it, instead of going to counseling, instead of getting help, instead of addressing the issues, what we try and do is build a system. So we say, you know what? Instead of trying to fix this thing, I'm just going to stay away. I'm not, I'm not going to attend to my spouse. And, and there is a time of healing in the Bible for this miracle. And Jesus says, I am not confined to that time. There is somebody in here, you feel like you are late. Hallelujah. And you've been waiting for the right time. And I declare in this house that you've been looking at the wrong time. Because you've been trying to get the timing of the system Instead of getting with the timing of God. Because if you get with the timing of God, it will trump the timing of your system. And you feel like you are late. You feel like it's too late to go back to school. You feel like it's too late to fix the relationship. You feel like it's too late to start the business. You feel like it's too late to have children. You feel like it's too late for you to embark on a new career. You feel like it's too late I got news for link today if you would believe that God can do this outside of your time oh you're not too old somebody touch your neighbor and say neighbor you're not too old I come against that old spirit I come against that spirit that wants to tell you you're too old he, he it's the wrong time what are you doing, Jesus? 
It's not the time for healing. But that's the great thing about a shift. Is that divine shifts are not according to your schedule. But divine shifts are according to God's schedule. The third thing, Jesus came to break down. And the third reason why Jesus performs this miracle is that Jesus is doing this miracle on the wrong day. So not only is it the wrong time, it's the wrong day. Yeah, this is important, y'all. Because this day is the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day may not mean anything to you. But the Sabbath day is one of the cores of the Jewish religion. I mean, you can't mess with this day. I mean, you, you, you can't try and work on this day. You can't try and do anything on this day. You have to respect and honor this day. The problem in the text is that the Pharisees are holding on to a day above holding on to God. And you may say, Pastor Mark, listen, this is good, but what does this have to do with me? I would venture to say that what Christianity is suffering from is a plague and a system of religion where we have put things above God. Oh, and, 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 and we have put ways that we do things above God. We have put ways that we worship God above God. We have put ways that we think above God. And I would say today and submit to you that what Christians all over the world and even right here at Link Church, what we suffer from is a case of bad religion. Oh, bad religion. Yeah, and it's going to get quiet up in here. Because I'm in the South now. And what happened when I came to the South is I was met. It, it, it was like a, just a spirit of religion. When I, when I walked into the South, all I felt around me was religion. I mean, I've never felt this before, y'all. I walked in here and there's Christian music playing in the stores. And it's not Christmas. Oh, you see, you see, y'all never been in the north. Y'all never lived up north. I'm born and raised in New Jersey. I walked into Sweet Frog on Friday, and we're having family night with my kids. My kids love Sweet Frog. They love to get all their toppings, and they love to have a good time. But they don't really notice what I notice. And I hear the music playing, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about Jesus. And I was met with the spirit of religion when I came here. And I said, this is great. 
because I won't be met with so much opposition because people here are for Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Yay. Yay, Jesus. Yes. Jesus on my forehead. Jesus on my chest. Yay, Jesus. We're able to do things in this school that you can't, a church can't do up north. Not only are we having worship, but we're able to do programs from a church. We're able to, to try and do Bible studies and start a Bible study here. And I'm like, where's all this rah-rah Jesus coming from? And one day, about a year and a half ago, before we even launched Link Church, I was sleeping. And I had a dream. And, and in my dream, I saw this figure. It was a huge figure that was standing above me in my bed. And this figure was dressed in religious garb, had the garments on, had the collar on. I couldn't see its face, but I, I saw the long robe and I saw the tassels. And I recognized it as a religious man. And I saw this man carrying the incense. And he began to throw the incense over me. It's like he was sprinkling me with incense. And at first, I, I was here for it. But then in my spirit, something was wrong. And I said, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I, I, began, to get unrest, I began to get restful in my spirit. And I'm still asleep. And I began to rebuke. This religious figure. I began to rebuke this religious figure in my, in my sleep because I realized that this religious man was not blessing me. He was cursing me. Oh, oh, oh. Osby, he was cursing me. He was trying to curse what I was called here to do. And, and it wasn't a, a, a figure with a pitchfork with horns and a, and a red tail. But he was dressed in religious garb. And after I got up, I began to pray, and God began to show me that there is a spirit, Shama, there is a spirit of religion over this city. Charlotte is the most church, one of the most church cities in the country. How people go to church on Sunday. I mean, it's the thing to do. 48% of people go to church on Sunday. So why in the world then do we have the, like, the top five high uh, homicide rates? We are always in the top five in terms of homicides in the country. Why then? Are so many people homeless in Charlotte? If you're so religious, bruh, why are so many people in poverty? If you're so religious, man, and you know Jesus, then how come there is such a big disparity between the haves and the have-nots? I've never seen it like this before. I, I, I'm a real estate guy, and I would drive through the city, and I would see that the city is not like neighborhoods. It's neighborhoods, but the neighborhoods are unique. I'm used to a neighborhood being the same type of housing everywhere. But it's like in Charlotte, it's pockets. 
You'll be in the same neighborhood, drive past a trailer park, and then drive past a five-bedroom house. And it's pockets. And, I, and I've been struggling with this because God called us to start Link Church to provide a place for people that don't know Jesus, but also a place for people that are bound by religion. There is a difference, y'all, between religion and relationship. Hmm. You see, down here, you can't mess with my church. We, we have church a certain way. This is what people say. Don't mess with my church. Don't mess with my traditions. Don't mess with the way we've been doing things. Don't mess with the way we've been preaching. Don't mess with the way that the choir marches in. Don't mess with the songs that we sing. Don't mess with the way that we do church. Don't mess with the fact that we shout and we sing and we dance. Don't take away my church. Don't take away my religion. And I'll come to show you today here that you got a Sabbath problem. The reason why you haven't experienced the shift in your life is because you have a Sabbath problem. And you are so worried about the way you're used to things going. In your career, you have religion. Because the thing about religion is that it carries over to all of your life. So you're religious in your career. You have a way of doing your career. And the problem is, Osby, is that when you're religious in your career, is that you put your career above God. And when God tries to shift your career, you say, no, God, we've always done it this way. No, God, I can't. I can't move my position. I can't switch and take a new job because I've always done it this way. You are plagued by religion. And when I was praying, God began to tell me that we have got to break down systems of religion. You know... We are afraid to do that because we feel like if we lose our religion, we lose God. If we lose the way that we do this ritual, that ritual, we lose God. But Jesus was trying to show the Pharisees that he is greater than the Sabbath. And the Bible says that your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. Of none effect. And, and, and your religion keeps God out of your life. His, his word is no longer effective for you because your religion has kept him out. And Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath day. If you read the text, this man starts to walk and carry his bed. Immediately, the Pharisees meet him and say, what are you doing carrying your bed? They don't realize 
They don't even recognize that this man has been healed. They are more concerned about the bed he is carrying than the deliverance he has gotten. And maybe you can't be happy for your neighbor that has gotten delivered from depression because you are more worried about how they got delivered. You are more worried about the religious rules that caused them to break through. And you have missed God because you're so focused on religion. The Pharisees are worried about this bed that they are carrying. And I came to tell you, stop worrying about the bed and give God praise for the deliverance. I come to break down every high-minded spirit in here. I come to break down every agenda in here. I don't know why God gave me this sermon, but somebody in here needs a new normal. Your normal is to observe the Sabbath. Your normal is to be religious. Your normal is to do it that way. Your normal is to do it this way. But sometimes God will show up to show you that he is greater hallelujah he's greater and I believe that God wants to do a move through link church I believe God wants to do something unprecedented because what this city needs is not another religious church but what this city needs is a move of God I feel the Holy Ghost up in here today I believe that somebody in here needs a move of God and you've been trying to do it religiously you've been trying to do it according to your religion but God wants to do something that will blow your mind that you've never seen before and, and people have been wondering why do we speak in tongues at Link Church why do we speak in tongues what's that all about because you need something deeper I feel God in here you need something deeper that will traffic in the spirit. Yeah, I ain't afraid of y'all today. That will traffic in the spirit. You need a heavenly language. You need a prayer language that when your English can't do the job, your spirit takes over and starts to dive into the heart of God and you feel a breakthrough. I feel like God called me down here to release a deep anointing up in Link Church to release a deep anointing in Charlotte, North Carolina because people have been walking with God and yes, you got God. Yes, you're saved, but you've been missing out on the new normal. Yeah, I feel God in here. You've been missing out on the new normal that God wants to do something deep in you, deep in you that you've never seen before. You've gotten saved. You've given your life to Jesus, but it's time for God to fill you. I mean, fill you all the way up so that you come up with tongues and you come up against religion and you find God. In the deep things, you find God in the deep things. You find God in the deep things. And I break the spirit of religion in your life right now. Because it's only the devil that wants you to hold on to religion. 
Because he knows that religion is the cover that, that, that seals us and suffocates us away from relationship. He knows that religion will keep you away from the heart of God. He knows, he knows that religion will keep you from your shift. Because you're not used to crying out to God that way. You're, you're not used to being vulnerable that way. And, and, and speaking in tongues, I feel like I got to say this. Speaking in tongues is not weird, y'all. It's not weird. Highly intelligent people speak in tongues. Don't allow the mismanagement of the move of God as it relates to his spirit to cause you to dismiss it. You need it. You'll go to heaven, you'll be fine. But, but there's a chance you may miss your new normal because you're hanging on to religion. I believe God wants to shift somebody's new normal today. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what your experience is. I don't know what you've been taught. But could it be that God has shifted right in front of you, but you can't see it? You can't see it, y'all. Maybe God has told you about the new job, but you can't hear him. Because every time you go to pray, the devil meets your prayer. And he locks down your prayer. Because you can't go deeper. I release an anointing in Link Church today. I release an anointing in Link Church today. Link Church will always be a balanced church because you got a balanced pastor. It'll never get crazy. It'll never get out of hand. It'll never get out of order. But I believe there's a deep thing that you need to get that breaks down your religion. Everyone stand. I got to go. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.